You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Our sermon text this morning comes from Acts 8. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least of them to the greatest, and they said, This man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to him, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus and as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is God's word. All right. Good morning, Kings Cross Church. It's a joy to be together. My name is, is Aaron, one of the pastors here. And um, yes, yeah, as, as Chad said, we're, we're continuing in our series in Acts. Um, Coming to chapter 8 here to, to Philip in, in Samaria. Um, just as a, a little bit of context, you know, the last couple of weeks we have been looking at the story of, of Stephen. Um, Stephen faced persecution. He was, he was brought before the, the Jewish leaders and, um, you know, proclaimed the, the truth about God to, to them and, and they ended up killing him. And that persecution led to the church being scattered. You know, that was the first verse here in, in verse 4. Those who were scattered, they went on their way preaching the word. So they went in, in all different directions, and, and Philip went to Samaria. This is the, you know, continuation of, of the promise in, um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, famous outline verse where, where Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. We see even more of that come true in, in this passage as Philip has the opportunity to to proclaim Christ to this Ethiopian official. Ethiopia would have been the, pretty much the end of the known world for, for Philip. 
for Luke. So, um, yeah, so we just see the the continuation of, of the promise. We see a lot of the same themes that we've seen throughout Acts showing up again in this passage. In this passage, we we see, you know, two truths about God as we focus on, on two kind of main characters in this. We focus on Simon and this Ethiopian official. We see two truths about God, that, that he cares about all of a person, right? We have to follow God with everything that we are, the depth of our discipleship. God cares about that. And God also cares about the breadth of, of his mission. He wants all people from all nations to come to know him. Both these guys are, are influential, powerful guys, right? Simon has, is doing sorcery in, in Samaria, and he's, he's called the great power of God. This Ethiopian official is um, in charge of the treasury for this queen of the Ethiopians. So they're influential, they're powerful, they have different postures towards God. Ethiopian is, is coming and he's reading the scriptures and he's, he's trying to follow God, whereas Simon is, is very far from God doing his own sorcery. But God calls both of them. God wants both of them to follow him. Simon shows us that when we're following God, everything about us must be purified, right? We, we can't make a, a partial turn, right? We need to give God everything. And the Ethiopian official shows us that every culture, every kingdom on earth must submit itself to the dominion of, of God. As we get into the text, let me, let me pray for us and, and we'll jump in. Father God, I thank you so much for your love for us, your kindness to us. Thank you for giving us your word, allowing us to, yeah, just to see truths about you in, in the word, Lord, to, to know you better, to, to see how, how you're working in the early church and, and see how you continue to work in our lives. Pray that that would be true this morning, that you would work in our hearts to, to hear from you, open our hearts and, and help, us, help our hearts to be soft and, and molded by you. That's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so Philip is going to Samaria. Many of you are probably familiar with a little bit of the, the conflict between Jews and, and Samaritans. You know, the um, famous parable, the, the Good Samaritan you know, it's, it's drastic because there's this animosity between them. But, you know, Samaria is, and the Samaritans are, are valuable to God. God cares about all people. And so even though that the, the Samaritans have been worshiping God in a different way, the Jews didn't, didn't they thought they were enemies of, of God, that they were doing, following the law the wrong way. There's this animosity, but, but Philip is, is going and he's being faithful and he's preaching the, the gospel to them. One other difference between Jews and Samaritans is that they had a, a different concept of, of the Messiah. Right? So the Jews, they were expecting this king, this ruler to come and, and overthrow, you know, in this time to you know, rescue them from Rome, to be a new ruler. The Samaritans kind of focused on the, the prophet aspect of, of the Messiah. They would look at, at a verse like Deuteronomy 18.18, which says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, a prophet like Moses. <clears throat> I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. <clears throat> so Philip has the opportunity to, to proclaim the Messiah to them. This verse 5, Philip went down and proclaimed the Messiah. So he's able to, to show them that, that Jesus 
is a Messiah for the Samaritans, just like he is for, for the Jews, right? He's not just a, a ruler that's going to overthrow them from, from Rome, but he's a man that's starting a, a kingdom, a new global, cosmic, eternal kingdom. He's a better ruler than the Jews ever expected, and he's a better prophet than the Samaritans ever expected, right? He's not just coming and, and passing along the words of God. He's coming as the word made flesh, So Jesus is a, a better Messiah and Philip is able to really connect with the Samaritans and, and really show them that the Messiah that they're looking for has come and he's even better than they expected. We also see that he's performing signs. We see the power of the, the Spirit here. Verse 7 and 8. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. There's these powerful works. We, we've seen all throughout Acts that the Holy Spirit is working in power to, to bring glory to God, right? To, to draw attention to God, to Jesus. And so these powerful works, they lead to great joy in the city. <clears throat> you can imagine the, the difference in, in feeling between, you know, these unclean spirits, these, the work of, or the power of, of Satan and the sorcery that Simon is doing compared to that being gone and the Holy Spirit coming in. <clears throat> it's like if you, uh, if your trash can is, is full overnight, you come down downstairs after you wake up and all of a sudden your kitchen smells terrible because you forgot to take the trash out. Compare that to coming in and having a, a nice smelling candle lit. Like the, just a, a total difference in, in atmosphere and feeling. In Samaria, there's this complete difference. Right? There's, there's joy in the city because the Holy Spirit is working and the Holy Spirit is showing that that this new kingdom has come. There's a new dominion in Samaria. So Philip is, is doing these, these great works. He's proclaiming um, proclaiming the truth about God, proclaiming the Messiah. And we see Simon, right? Simon is um, you know, he's, he's practicing sorcery and and he's someone great. As we see the story of Simon, we show, he shows us that, that God requires our whole lives. You know, we can't say that we believe in God and then keep trying to, to do things our way. You know, Simon claimed to be somebody great, and he was validated in it. As the people said about him, this man is called the great power of God. He's showing this, this power, this sorcery. But Philip comes... And he's proclaiming the good news, and that's drawing people to him. This is interesting that, that the focus here is on, on the belief in the word, not, not this attention to, to power, right? It's the, the meaning under the miracles, right? The power that the Holy Spirit shows can't be, can't be separated from the gospel. You guys are probably familiar with the famous verse in, in Romans chapter 1 that, where you know, Paul says that, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. All right, so the gospel is power, but it can't be separated from it. So Philip comes and, and he's proclaiming the meaning and, and people see that meaning. They see the truth of the gospel and that draws them away from the, this false power that, that Simon is showing. It says that... Um, you know, men and women were baptized. 
you know, it's not a, any kind of aside or not a, not a major aside, but just wanted to, to call out that, that men and women are, are both valuable, equal members of the church. It's always been true and it always will be true. And Simon, even though um, he had been doing the sorcery, he, he turns, right? It says Simon himself believed and was baptized. There's a little bit of a, a little bit of trickiness in, to know like what, um, you know, the depth of, of Simon's belief. Right? Is he genuinely repentant or is he just attracted to the power that, that Philip shows? Right, it's verse 13. You know, it says that he's following him around. Followed Philip everywhere, was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. Is he attracted to the kingdom, to the truth about the Messiah, or is he just following the power? We don't really know. We're going to take a, a quick break from, from Simon and um, focus on the apostles in, in verses 14 to 17. The apostles, they were in Jerusalem. They heard about these things in, in Samaria. They heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God. So Peter and John came. You know, they're not coming to, um, you know, in a negative way to come check up and make sure that they're doing okay, but they're coming to, to validate the mission. In the story here, we, we see that the, the Holy Spirit comes down as they pray for them and they lay their hands on them. You know, so that the Holy Spirit had not yet come down on them. Verse 15, they had only been baptized in Jesus. It's a little interesting. You know, we see something like this a, a few times in Acts where, where the belief and the coming of the Spirit are a little separated. One of the notable times that we see that is, is the very beginning, right? Jesus ascended and he said, wait, after a few days the Holy Spirit will come. And then the disciples are waiting in an upper room 120 of them, and, and the Holy Spirit comes down in, in power. This kind of looks back to that. This is kind of like the Samaritan version of Pentecost. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we should assume that, that same kind of thing, that belief in the Spirit coming would, would be separated. It's more... Um, descriptive than prescriptive. I'd like to say it's, it's a description of what happened rather than something that we should expect to happen. But it is meaningful that the apostles come and they, they validate what's happening. Right? They, they come and they lay their hands on it. The Spirit comes. Peter and John, you know, the, some of the most famous apostles come to Samaria. They show that it's not just Philip's thing. You know, it's not just this Hellenistic separate thing than but it's it's joined with the the church as a whole. So Peter and John, you know, they lay their hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit, and Simon sees that and he um he's kind of pulled back into his own ways. Verse eighteen, when when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, Give me this power so that anyone I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. So this is clearly not a good thing. You know, there's a, a term even today called called simony that, that comes from from this story where you're you want religious gain in exchange for money. 
So Peter's rebuke is, is very harsh. All right, it says, may your, verse 20, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Verse 21, you have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. So Simon has, has nothing to do with the power of God now because his heart is not in it. You have no part or share in this. <clears throat> Peter says that he's poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. So Simon is, is clearly not right with God in his request. He's driven by greed, which as, as we've seen earlier in Acts, greed is a huge deal. And Ananias and Sapphira, they, they're greedy. They, they hold on to some of their money and they try to get all the attention that should be, belong to God. Luke kind of leaves us a little bit unclear on, on Simon's future, you know. Verse 24, right after Peter says, you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness, Simon says, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So he asks for them to pray for him, but he doesn't pray. And his request is a little bit selfish, you know, pray that this stuff doesn't happen to me but that could just be a little bit of a, you know, immature request from a new believer, or, or it could be, you know, representative of a, a false conversion of someone who's still trying to follow God their way. So even though there's, there's some uncertainty here, there's a couple things that we, we can know for sure. First, number one, that, that it's not easy to be cleansed from sin. You know, this, these words, poisoned and bound, those are strong words. Even as we, as we turn and, and even as we try to be truly repentant, we still live in a broken world and we still fall back in our own sin. We still can be poisoned by our sin and we still can be bound by it. Our sinful desires don't just disappear when we're converted. If we've spent time and, and years building up bad habits, it's hard to break them. So we do know that. But we also know that it's not hopeless. Right? Repentance is, is always available. We can always turn to God. There's no sin that's, that's too strong for, for God to defeat. Peter says to, to Simon that his heart can be forgiven. There's always hope. But it's going to cost us everything. Right? We can't hold on to anything that that we want, right? We have to hold everything for God. As we uh, transition to the next section, I just want to look at, at verse 25 and, and just call out the, the beauty here. After they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Peter and John the other apostles had spent their whole life, you know, looking down on the Samaritans, seeing them as, you know, as tainting the, the true law. But now, af- after Jesus was resurrected in the new kingdom, they see the Samaritans as equally deserving of, of the gospel. They go into these villages, they proclaim the Messiah. So in this next section, looking at the Ethiopian official, shows us the, the truth about God, that, that God cares about the, the breadth of the mission. 
the Ethiopian official shows us that, that God's mission is to the very ends of the earth. Every soul from every nation matters. Verse 26, this is a kind of a drastic call from, from the angel of the Lord. You know, he, he tells him, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he's telling Philip to, to leave this thriving mission, ministry in, in Samaria as, as people are, are being healed and, and the Messiah is being proclaimed. And, and he tells him to, to leave that and go to this desert road in the middle of nowhere. Talk to one person. This reveals that truth about God that just like he, with Simon, he requires total obedience, the depth of discipleship. He also calls every, tr- every nation under heaven to follow him. As I mentioned earlier, Ethiopia is, is almost literally the ends of the earth in their mind. So we see in this short, short stretch in these last couple chapters, all those places mentioned in Acts 1-8. Starts with Stephen in, in Jerusalem and the church is spread in, in Judea and, and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth here. A lot of times, potential missionaries get, get pushed back. You know, if they, they feel a call like, like this call in verse 26 to, to get up and, and leave where you are and, and go to some faraway place, they get pushback that there's there's lost people here in Raleigh. Why do you need to go? Even Adoniram Judson, famous missionary to, to Burma, he got pushback from, from his family, from his father who was a pastor because he he gave up this, you know, prominent associate pastorship that, that could have led to um you know, lots of good work in, in New England. But he turned that down to to spend years suffering in, in Burma. It makes a difference to to see people from, from every nation. You know, 1% of 100 different nations worshiping God is, is going to be a healthier, more vibrant, beautiful picture of the kingdom than if there's 100% of, of one nation, Right? So this Ethiopian, one of the commentators said he's, he's exotic, powerful, and pious. Right, he's exotic because he's, he's from this, this faraway place. He's powerful. He's high up in this Ethiopian kingdom. He's working for, for Candace. Um, Candace is like a, a title more, more so than a name. But um, in charge of the treasury, he's powerful. And he's pious as he's, he's reading the scriptures. He, he comes to Jerusalem to worship. He's powerful and he's he's humble too. He asked Philip for help in explaining what, what he's reading. Philip asked, Do you understand? And he says, How can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The scripture that he's reading, verses thirty two to thirty four, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe this generation? For his life was taken from the earth. He asked Philip, Who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip starts here and tells him the good news about Jesus. This is uh, 
This is kind of low-hanging fruit to, to point to Jesus, right? He's like a sheep led to the slaughter. That's relatively obvious. <laughs> but we should be able to, to point to Jesus from the Old Testament. We should know that the, the Bible isn't just a book with a whole bunch of different heroes, right? It's, it's a story about one hero. Jesus is the one. He's the only. Everyone else falls short. There's no Old Testament God versus New Testament God. God didn't, didn't try the law way and then that failed and so now he tries the Savior way. But Yahweh's always been working to draw people to himself, pulling them in and going to them. Jesus is the culmination of that. Philippians 2, you know, Jesus, you know, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And because of that, you know, because he was silent, because he was led by like a sheep to the slaughter, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The whole Bible has been leading to this, leading to this moment that, that Jesus made a way. And Philip has the opportunity to, to proclaim that truth to the Ethiopian there. And the Ethiopian believes. As they're traveling, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? We see here this quick obedience and that that quick obedience to following God's way is a good thing it's a big contrast to to Simon who gets pulled back into his sin one of the beautiful things that we see here with this eunuch is that he is welcome into the kingdom when he went to Jerusalem to worship he wouldn't be welcome in the in the temple because he was deformed but he's welcome into the kingdom. We know that the, the Jews weren't, they weren't taking the worship of Yahweh away. They were drawing people in, but, but Philip is sent to him to draw him into the kingdom. So he believes, and then Philip disappears. All right, it says, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away eunuch didn't see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. So Philip goes up to Azotus, which is over by the Mediterranean Sea, and he, he preaches the gospel all the way up in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Right, so this, this beautiful truth of, of Philip, you know, being successful in, in his mission, right, proclaiming the, the truth about God to the Ethiopian and being sent on to, to continue in that. As Chad said, we're um, you know, we're taking a break as a as a church, spending a few weeks in, in Advent, and then we'll spend a few more more weeks looking at our our core values as a church. And so I wanted to to take a minute and and just look back on on Acts and and see some of the the themes that we've seen throughout the scriptures or throughout the the book so far, and and even see them again here in this passage. We see this this end here is. It's just God's God's faithfulness, right? That the Philip is is able to 
to proclaim the truth from Azotus all the way to Caesarea and Samaria. We just see the, the church spreading. When we get back into Acts, we're going to shift to Paul a little bit. We'll see Peter some more and, and see the, the church continue to spread. So far, we've seen, um, I'm going to highlight four, four truths that, that we've seen. <clears throat> Number one, we see that the, the Holy Spirit is, is the main character in Acts. Right, even when he's not directly at work, he's under the surface, given the power. Right, it's like hot springs in a in a really cold place, snow all around, but but the water's warm because there's there's power under the surface. Holy Spirit's like that. We've seen him work very clearly, very openly in, in Pentecost, sound like a rushing wind, a sight like tongues like flame of fire, speaking in tongues. We've seen Thousands of people come to, to believe. Even in this passage, we see the Holy Spirit at work. You know, unclean spirits crying out came out of those who were possessed. Draws Simon and the Ethiopian to him. Second truth that we see is that, that the kingdom is a total change from the world. Right? That's something that, that Jesus was spent his entire ministry proclaiming that, that the way you're seeing things is, is different. Right? You've heard that it was said, but I say to you. Even here we see examples of, of obedience of, of people completely turning. Right? Barnabas that you know, sells his, his land and he gives all the money away. And we see people that, that don't make the total change. Ananias and Sapphira and Simon here. They're, they try to show that they make the change, but they're, they're not following the kingdom. They're not giving God everything that they have. The third th- truth that we see in Acts is that God always keeps his promises. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come in power, and he did. He said they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and they have been. We see that, that that promise is fulfilled. And the fourth truth that I want to draw out is that God is the God of all nations. At Pentecost, we saw that so clearly as, as Jews from every direction came to worship at Pentecost and, and the Holy Spirit came and enabled the disciples to speak in all different tongues to them. Because God cares about people from all nations. We see that with this Ethiopian. From the very ends of the earth he comes and and God makes a point to give him the opportunity to be saved. Draws Philip away from his thriving ministry in Samaria to to save this Ethiopian. All nations, all people matter to God. So looking at those themes, what does that mean for us? How do we how do we apply those? I just want to give one major application and just talk about how they kind of break down. So the major application is give God, give God everything. Give God your all and never give up. The Holy Spirit is the main character in Acts and he's the main character in your life. He's working in your life. 
It may be hard to, to see where he's working, but know that there is power under the surface for you. We know that the, the kingdom of God is a, is a total change for us, and, and so we need to know that the, the way of the kingdom is, is better. It's better for you. It can be so easy to, to fall into patterns of sin and to want to do things our way, we have to repent, turn away from that, turn to God and know that his way is, is better. One of the familiar verses in the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So if we are prideful and thinking that our way is better than God's way, then we're opposing God. Let's not do that. So as we've seen that, that God keeps his promises in Acts, we can know that, that God will keep his promises to us. It can be hard to, to believe sometimes in the face of great, great suffering. You can imagine the, the tragedy and the parade and um, yeah, it's things like cancer and just unimaginable suffering. It can be hard to, to believe that God will keep the promise that all things will work together for good. But we have to believe, to know that Paul, who, who suffered so much, said that the, the weight of glory, you know, the, the sufferings of this world won't even compare to that, to what it, what it will be like to, to spend eternity with Christ. And lastly, because God is a God that loves all nations, that means that we are called to join God's mission to all nations. We don't know what it looks like for each one of us, right? Not, not all of us are, are going to the nations, but, but we're all involved in, in, that, in that great commission of, of making disciples of all nations. God's, God has called us to a mission that's, that's so much bigger than us and so much beyond us. And so let's believe the truth, believe that, that God is, is so much bigger than us, his way is so much greater than ours, and his mission is so much bigger than, than us, and, and let's join him in that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way that you show us in your scriptures that, that you care about all of us, down to the, the depths of of our souls, you want we want us to completely and, and utterly follow you with everything that we have. And you also care about all people from all nations. You desire that, that all would be saved. We pray that you would allow us to to be part of your mission, to work as you've called us to, to be faithful, to follow you. We love you. We're so thankful for, for Jesus and the way that he gave himself up so that we would believe. We would have hope. We would be brought into your community, your family. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.